Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh, not really, but sort of. The book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, the Bible says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then then the writer says something sobering. He said, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Amen. Oh, it is so easy to read those words and just move right on. But there's a great commission that was just presented us once again. Hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. You say, well, I can't do that. But the Bible says he's faithful that promised. So when I feel myself wavering, I just slip my hand into that unchanging hand. (laughs) When I feel that I'm going down, I just reach up and get that hand that I know is faithful. He's faithful that promised. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you and and you can be seated today. I, I realize how easy... It would be to sit here this morning and uh, and especially with such a positive response to just my opening scriptures, how easy it would be for us to sit here this morning and feel in our heart of hearts this concrete affirmation that I'd never change. I would never change. I am what I am. I have cast my lot. I have driven down my tent stakes. I have decided. It would be easy for us in this affirming atmosphere to just feel as though nothing could shake our faith that we would walk away from this apostolic message that we contend according to the Word of God Amen. There is a plan of salvation and that all roads don't lead to Rome. Amen. There is a plan, a plan of salvation and it is incumbent, imperative that we follow that plan. However, there is a reason that the Bible doesn't just send uh, veiled messages, warnings about holding fast and and, uh, staying true and having our confidence placed in the right things. Amen. Warning after warning after warning. So that's why I want us to turn our attention to the book of 2 Timothy and and, uh, the emphasis of this particular chapter, if we could boil it down perhaps to two things, would be knowledge but also responsibility. And uh, so here is Paul speaking to his protege in the gospel, young Timothy, and he is trying to press into his spirit some things because Paul understands, I'm not always going to be here, but I need to press something into your spirit that is unmovable. I want to press something that's unshakable, that the power and the presence of God would be settled in your heart. And so Paul informed him about the character of the last days. I want to be uh, very specific and uh, I want to really try to be concise in speaking about the last days. And, And he's instructing him about how to respond in these last days. Now, Obviously, Timothy is not living in the 21st century. He's not even in the 20th century church. 
He's, but yet he's talking to him about the last days and how he should re respond to the last days. And so I think it's important for us to understand the last days that Paul spoke about. The last days that Paul was speaking about was not necessarily or just in a singular fashion. He's not just talking about last days that are coming in the sweet by and by. But I believe the last days that Paul was talking about began with the ministry of Jesus Christ. Those last days, the last days started right then and they continue until this very moment. And so I, I, I don't want to try to take anything away from uh, anyone this morning, but I want to just try to kind of pull this into a, a more central focus that, that the spirit of the last days began with the ministry of the Apostle Paul. It began with a revelation. Amen. It began with a revelation of, what, of what's going on. So the spirit of the last days began. I understand that the, the climate outside is unparalleled in many respects, but perhaps that's even not an accurate statement altogether because when you read throughout Scripture, there were many things that were taking place in the lives in the hearts and the families of people throughout Scripture. And so the last days, I don't want to take away our focus. I believe that we are living in the last days, but I don't want to try to blur the lines so much, Brother Toby, that we, we just kind of think, well, we can write this all off. No, I, I don't want to do that, but I just want to tell you that the spirit of the last days of the last days has been here a long, long time from the inception of the New Testament church. And because the Lord hasn't returned, some people scoff at the promise of His coming. But I just want to just underline it today. Jesus is coming back. Amen. He is going to call His church a home. We're going to be caught away. And either He is going to call us home as a corporate body or He is going to call us home one by one. And so that is why we cannot afford to think, well, He hasn't come and He has not returned and so I could just do whatever I want. He could come for me in the next 30 seconds. He could come before He could come for you today before this service ends. It's imperative that we understand. And so within the context, this big picture of the last days, there's going to be different times. Or if I could use another word, there's going to be different seasons. And uh, as these times draw to a close, the Bible talks about them being perilous, perilous times. Well, you know, if you're a Bible thumper, the word, the word perilous, that's not a, you know, that's not a big word. We, we've used that a lot. We understand that word. You've heard a lot of preachers use that. You've read it many times in your scripture, uh, in your scripture reading. But this word perilous means dangerous. It means hard to deal with. Perilous times means savage times. My goodness, can't we just look out our window today? <laughs> Think about the things that are going on in our world right now. Right now, amen, hard to deal with, savage times. This suggests that the violence, that, 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 that the violence of the last times are going to continuously be energized by the power of hell. Amen. While I tell you that perilous times, or while I tell you that the last days have been since the time of the New Testament church until now, I don't want to suggest to you that we can just put it on cruise or we can throw it in neutral because I'm telling you that the power of hell is stirring and energizing these perilous times and these perilous seasons and the days are getting darker and the times are getting tougher Amen. I don't know what we will face before we leave this world. And so that's why I would say that you don't need to spend all your life and all your time and your energy trying to figure out when He's coming. We just need to put all of our energy, time, and effort into making sure I'm ready when He comes. I'm ready if the trumpet sounds, but I want to be ready if I'm taken out before that trumpet sounds. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, Now the Spirit speaketh that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed 
to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And I'm going to go back to my opening comment and we think, well, I'll tell you, I've got this in my heart. Nothing's going to steal this. Nothing's going to cause me to go away. But the Bible says they're seducing spirits. Amen. And there are doctrines of devils. And there is no doubt that in the in these characteristics that they begin to appear, there, there had to be fundamental elements of these, these uh, characteristics even in the Apostle Paul's day. And they have only increased in intensity. Society. Society at large seems to be filled with a spirit of rebellion. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. Oh, I know it would be really easy right now to use this moment as a springboard to talk about the rebellion that would be found among the youth of not just America, but the youth of our world. But can I tell you, rebellion is not just in the heart of young people. Rebellion is in the heart across our society. Amen. And so we need not ignore that. Paul gave... Timothy, three instructions to obey so that his ministry might be effective in these times. And so he's he's giving him some instruction and I think that we should allow that to be echoed in our heart. And so he says in, in 2 Timothy 3 and 5, he was talking about false teaching. And so Timothy just kind of capsulizes this and he says, from such turn away. From such turn away. The, they are religious, but they are rebellious. Amen. There's a lot of things that are happening today under the, uh, uh, there's a lot of things happening at this very moment, at this very hour, all across our nation, all around the world that has the overtones of religion, but underneath all of that is the spirit of rebellion that me and Jesus have our own thing going and we're going to do whatever we want to do and it doesn't matter uh, what's going on. And, And so Paul discussed a few things about these people. He reviews a laundry list of things over the next few verses and, and these characteristics, and there are many different characteristics here. There's an emphasis on love. He said they're going to be lovers of their own selves, and they're going to be lovers of money, and they're going to be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. One man said the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. Oh, well said. At the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. And so in this universe, we basically have three things. We have God, we have people, and we have things. And here's the order. We should worship God, we should love people, and we should just use things. Amen. We should just use things. The world right, worldwide craving for things just proves that people's heart has turned away from God. People's lives are just filled with things. Amen. I want you to relax because I'm not going after your things today, but I'm just telling you that is the spirit of our age. It is things, just things and more things. And we get this and it doesn't satisfy. So we get something else and more and more and more and more. And if you don't think I'm preaching the truth today, amen, just go out on the weekend somewhere. Just go up and down the interstate somewhere and you're going to find people's lives are overrun with things. As a matter of fact, uh, big business, big business today is just simply storage buildings. Talking about big business in America. Big business in America. And so it started out just basic storage buildings. You see them, you've seen one, you've seen a thousand or 10,000. But I'm going to tell you that when you go into different areas of our state and country, the storage business is a multi-billion dollar industry because it's not just storing, uh, you know, a lawnmower. It's not just pushing an old broke weed eater in there, but storage and controlled climates and all manner of things. And so what would these be used for? Can you imagine trying to explain this to somebody that, doesn't live on our planet. So what's this building for? Well, this building is to hold the things that we can't hold at our house. I better move on because some of you may have a storage building. (laughs) I'm not renting one, but I got a big one in my backyard. I didn't think about that. So we need to move on. I'm seducing spirits. See, it got me off on the wrong thing. Forgive me, sweet Jesus. Here we go. 
You can jump in, help me anytime you're right now. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Things, the love of things, more things, more things. When we see around us perilous times, perilous times can be seen. Paul has this list, and I'm not going to try to hit every word, but he talks about truce breakers. This describes people who must have their own way. Truce breakers. To defend their position, they become false accusers. They attempt to tear down the reputations of others. He talks about and uses the word incontinent. means that without self-control. There's just no margin. There's no lasso. There is no fence. There is no, there is no way to rein this in. And their lack of self-control reveals itself in many, many ways. He talks about fierce, which means untamed or brutal. Just whatever it takes. And I know we could think all of that would just apply to somebody like a murderer. But I will tell you that we live in an untamed society and a brutal society that people do whatever they can do to get whatever they want. And when people see that they can't have their way, they become savage. And in society today, the standards of right and wrong have been so twisted, if not utterly destroyed. Amen. Traitors, he says, describes people that betray others or those that could not be trusted. Heady, he uses the word heady, meaning reckless or rash or acting without careful thought. He uses high-minded. It means a person that is puffed up with their own self-importance. Doesn't that sound like the day in which we live? Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And that does not suggest that we must choose either pleasure or our God. That's not what that suggests at all because I believe if we love God, we're also going to enjoy the fullness of life here and life forever. But he said you need your priorities right. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he said, I'll see to it. I'll make sure that all these other things will be added into your life. And so we don't have to choose God over happiness or God over pleasure or God over joy. If we will put God first, He will make sure that we have the desires of our heart. Amen. I'm preaching to people today that know that the Lord will supply their need. He will come through on time every time. But I'm also preaching to people that know that the Lord has also supplied our wants, our desires. He has just something in us that we've always wanted and the Lord just brings it into our life. He, if He doesn't give it to us, He makes it possible for us to get it. And I'm thankful for that. The Bible talks about having the form of godliness. That suggests an outward appearance of religion, but not true Christian faith. Just the trappings of it. We'll just go through the motions because they have never experienced the real power of God in their lives for themselves. And so what you wind up with then is you have religion without reality. You have something that somebody else handed you, somebody else told you. It's a frightening thing. I know you've heard me say this many times, but I'll just repeat it again. I am at, and completely opposed to anybody telling somebody else they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I mean, you need to let them understand that for themselves. And when they get the Holy Ghost, they'll know they got the Holy Ghost and they'll tell you they got the Holy Ghost. You'll be able to see it. Amen. You'll see the countenance change. Am I telling the truth? You'll see, you'll see something happen. I'm talking about immediately. But following that immediate change, you're also, you're also going to see fruit. You're also going to see something that changes so deeply within that it is going to affect the lives, their lives first, foremost, and forever. And so I say, never tell someone they have the Holy Ghost. Never tell someone everything is okay. Never tell someone that everything is all right between they and their maker. There needs to be a power of God that stirs. There needs to be a power of God that moves. There needs to be a witness in their own life. I'm going to tell you today that we're not offering religion without reality. We're offering the power of God. And if you want to taste it, I want to just say to you, oh, taste and see. 
Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we talk about this, you're going to have religion, but you're going to have the reality of it. There's going to be something. And when you get home, when you get around your friends or your family, your neighbors, amen, and they're saying, I'm not sure all that's necessary. I'm not sure you have to do this or you have to do that. You're going to be able to look them in the wide of their eyes and say, I'm going to tell you, I got something that the world didn't give me. I got something that the preacher didn't give me. I got something that the church didn't give me. I got something that the membership role didn't give me. I got something that changed my life. It started in my heart. <laughs> it started in my hands. Amen. It began to move in my life. It is an agent. It is an agent of change. Real change. Real change. Amen. Amen. Paul, in this same scripture setting of, of 2 Timothy 3, Paul talks about in verses 6 and 7, he moves then into a term that could be offensive in this age. Certainly he talks about silly women. Amen. Now just hang on. Get that hand back up out of your purse. I don't know what you got. <laughs> all hands. Let me see all hands. He talks about silly women. Silly women. Another translation of that phrase is weak-willed women. Now this does not suggest that all women are like this. And it does not suggest that even men are not vulnerable to the wiles of false teaching. But let's stay in the context of 2 Timothy. Because remember, in Paul's day, women were susceptible even more so to this kind of experience because mainly because they had such a low status in their society. So women were pressed down. And they had, they had a lower uh, view or vision of themselves. And we do not believe in that. Amen. We do not believe in that. Amen. We honor our ladies. And so this is just a phrase. And Paul is speaking to his time and his season. But I will tell you that it is not just women. It is not just something that applies to ladies only. Because whether men or women, people can fall for a false religious system. Amen. And they can do so because of the same characteristics. We need to know who we are and what we believe. Amen. There are people that are always searching for truth, but they're never able to be satisfied. They're ever learning, the Bible says, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And there's some things that we just have to get settled in our heart for ourselves. I remember preaching a, a few nights in a, a service uh, some time ago, and, and there was a lady in that church that that came to my wife and I constantly, almost every service, and, and she was asking, do you have a word uh, from the Lord for me? Do you have a word from the Lord for me? And uh, I, I was certainly going to be kind about that, but you know, really I wanted to say yes, and when I get up and preach, I'm going to tell that word to everybody. But there are people that are, you follow that, that, that weakness of saying, I need a word for me. I need something specific. I need you to take a, a, a knife and just carve out just a little slice of meat or something for me because there's something missing in our lives, searching for something, looking for something. I want to tell you that when you have a heart that is that way, that doesn't mean we don't need to be hungry and that we don't need to be searchers. But hear me, I hope you're getting what I'm saying. But when you have a spirit that is like that, when you have an attitude that is like that, you are setting yourself up for false leaders to step into that. Step into that moment. To seize that moment. Amen. And they take advantage of problems that people have in their own heart. It may, may be their own will. And soon they take control over their lives. Listen. Amen. I'm not a dictator. God didn't call me to be a dictator. He said, I will give you shepherds. Amen. After his heart. After his heart. I'm here to lead. I'm going to tell you that leading people is like pulling a chain. Amen. If you want a chain to follow you, if you want a chain to go where you're going, you're going to have to pull it. But if you try to push it, amen. 
I'm not in the chain pushing business. And I'm not in the people pushing business. But God has called me to be in the people leading business. Amen. And so I say, Lord, help us to have a hunger and a thirst after you. But help us to have the spirit of discernment to know right and wrong. Amen. And help, I'll tell you, pray for a spirit of discernment. Pray for that. That is a gift that you ought to have. We ought to all have. Amen. Because I don't want, I don't want somebody to take advantage of me. I don't want to be misled. And Paul said there are false teachers and they are out there and they look religious and they all sound good, but they're end. Amen. He said, you got to turn away from such. Exodus 7 and 9, 7, 8, 9 records the contrast between this, this incredible story in these few chapters. This contrast between Moses and the Egyptian magicians. Tradition says that the magicians that were, uh, that were facing down with Moses in this particular instance were Janus, Janus and Jambres. And uh, these men are mentioned by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 3. And so Paul identifies who these magicians were, uh, that were that were opposing Moses and they were trying to intimidate or they really were, in, uh, they were imitating rather everything that Moses did. And so when you read back over these verses, when Aaron's rod turned into a serpent, well, the magicians just said, well, that's nothing. we can do that. And so they threw their rod down and, and, and it, they turned into serpents. And when Moses turned the water into blood, the magicians, they followed with the same miracle. Yes, they did. And when Moses brought up all the frogs, the magicians, they duplicated that miracle. So there were some things that the enemy can do that would duplicate. And so, <laughs> amen. So what are we to do? Are we to grab a pacifier and a blanket and run to the corner? No, 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 no. We're going to put our hands in the hand of the Lord. Amen. And help me to just stay focused on this. Amen. Because the devil can only do so much. Because there came a moment in time whenever whenever, whenever the, the Lord through the mouth of Moses spoke and, and, the, and the sand became lice or became gnats, whatever uh, rendition you begin to read of that. But, but one of those two things, that the sand, the dust became uh, mites or became lice, and, and, and the magicians could not imitate that. They could not follow that. Amen. And so God is going to prove himself. That's my point. And so can you imagine if, if we just fall for the first thing? Well, the rod... Well, the rod became a snake, so I just need to follow him. Amen. No, no, no. We're going to have to have a little bit more proof. Water went to blood. I'm going to need a little more proof. Uh, well, I'm just going to all the frogs. I'm going to need some more proof. I'm going to need something because you see the word of God. I mentioned it in my scripture. We're going to put our trust in him. He's not going to fail. He's not going to back up. He's going to be there all the time. And so the enemy can mock the Lord and imitate the Lord in many ways, but not in every way. And and so I'm going to put my trust and my confidence. I'm preaching. I know this morning, I know that we've dropped down the plow a little deep today, but I'm going to tell you that you're going to need to know the Lord and know the power of His might. And you're going to have to know the authenticity of the Spirit of God. And I just want to tell you that when you walk in somewhere and something doesn't feel right, from such turn away. When you pick up a book and you begin to read that book, I don't care who the author is. Amen. And you just begin to feel something in your heart from such turn away when you're watching something and something just doesn't feel right something don't just jive with that sweet holy ghost I'm preaching to the church today amen from such turn away Amen. I'm going to put this down. I don't want this introduced into my spirit. I don't want this introduced in my mind. I don't want this in my thought process. I do not want anything to do with this. Amen. I think I mentioned this a few years ago. I was reading a book by uh, a certain author and, and, uh, and I just began to read the book. That I'm, a, I'm a person that the title catches me. And so uh, the, the title of a book often makes me dig a little bit deeper. And, uh, and so I, I, I saw the book, I, I read a little bit about the book, and I, and I bought the book on Amazon and, and a, a Kindle, and, and I began to read that book, and, and as I began to read that book, I just got a weird feeling. 
So, well, here goes the preacher being all goofy and spooky. Nope. I felt a spirit of depression. I talked to my wife about this. And I thought, oh, I don't know, I don't know what this is all about, but this is not the only book on the market. <laughs> I'm going to set this aside because from such turn away. From such turn away. Well, it got a little bit quiet. Amen. The Bible talks about reprobate. That's the word Paul used to describe them. That means tested and found counterfeit. Janus and Jambres were exposed and they were made fools of by the judgments of God because when it came to the lice, they couldn't imitate that. And they knew that Jehovah was their God. There's a lot of significance to this story. I don't really want to take too much time, but you see, this was not just, again, some random thing because there was a, there was a God of the sand that people worshipped. <laughs> yes. And there was a God of the sand that they were worshipping. And so the Lord said, well, let me just show you. Let me just show you something. Amen. It goes back to what the elder was saying this morning about Elijah. How'd you like that? The elder. Amen. Said this morning, Elijah. <laughs> He's going to want a pay raise. Elijah. Elijah was on the mountain. Amen. Prophets of Baal by the hundreds. Oh, he said, we're going to show you because the real God is going to answer by fire. We're going to deal with this once and for all. Okay, you got the rod to turn to a snake. Oh, we, we got the frogs. Okay, we got the blood. But I'm going, to, I'm going to reach out here and I'm going to touch your sand God. I'm going to touch your sand God. And your sand God is going to become lice. Amen. We'll just show you what we can do. And Janice and Jambres had to pack up and say, we can't do that. They knew they couldn't touch their God because God knew what it was going to take to silence them. I'm just preaching to you today that when the winds come along and try to change your mind when the circumstances of life come along and say well you know I don't know if Acts 238 is exactly right I don't know if that's the only way I don't know if this I don't know if that because if it hasn't happened you need to hang on it will happen and I'm preaching to you today about holding fast about standing strong amen not standing strong when we're all here together in agreement oh no not standing strong when the praise team has given it they're all and we're singing about how great is our God oh anybody could stand strong in that moment but I'm telling you amen we're going to have to look this world in the eye and say we've got to give you the truth amen the unadulterated truth we're going to have to give you the real truth praise God the truth the whole truth nothing but the truth mm, my Lord I don't want to just repeat myself for the sake of repeating myself, but I will tell you that if you were standing and your life was on the line, on the line, you were facing years of imprisonment and you were standing in a courthouse, you would want not want an attorney to put his arm around you and say, all is well, all is well, all is well. When he knows they're fixing to send you up the river for the rest of your life, you're going to want somebody to tell you the truth. You don't want a doctor, amen, to stand by your bedside and say, you've got nothing to worry about. Out. you've got a long life ahead of you everything is well when he knows there is a terminal disease that is flowing through your veins you need somebody to look you in the eye and say this is how it is and so pray tell me in just those two instances if you wouldn't want an attorney to lie to you and if you wouldn't want a doctor to lie to you why in the world would you want a preacher amen why would you want a preacher to lie when we're talking about eternity I want to say it this morning again eternity is too long to be wrong eternity is too long to be wrong I need somebody to say preacher tell me what what I must do. I must do to be saved. Praise the Lord. Oh God, help us in this day. Help us in this hour. I'm not preaching with arrogance this morning. No, no, no. I'm preaching through a broken heart today. Amen. Your, your, your pastor this morning is reaching with every fiber of my soul to tell you there is a way. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is destruction. I say, Lord, help me to find that narrow way. Way. Help me to find that straight way and then let me put my hand in your hand. Let me slip my hand in your hand and place all of my confidence in you. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Mm. Praise God. 
You need to follow those who are true. Paul reminded Timothy that he, Paul, had been a faithful servant of God. I think it is important in these days to follow true spiritual leaders. And so what are some of the characteristics about true spiritual leaders? And again, I had no idea what was going to go before this message today, but just hear me. I didn't sit over there and write this out a moment ago. Amen. What are some of the characteristics of a true leader? Number one, their lives are an open book. Amen. Dr. Phil, I probably don't agree with everything he says, but I did hear him say something one time years ago. He said, people with nothing to hide, hide nothing. So in Acts 24 and 26 and 4, rather, Paul told Agrippa this. He said, my manner of life from my youth know all the Jews. They know. They know my life from youth. That's what Paul said. I've got nothing to hide. They didn't just meet me the other day. They have known me all my life. Timothy had lived and he had labored with the Apostle Paul. And Timothy knew this man well. He knew this man well. Another characteristic is they teach true doctrine. And so I will tell you again that no matter, no matter how appealing a speaker may be, if they don't preach the truth of God's Word, from such turn away. That's what Paul said. We should follow ministries that practice what they preach. And Paul's manner of life backed up his message because Paul understood one thing, I am a servant and not a celebrity. Amen. Follow leaders who understand their purpose is to glorify God. It was never a question about Paul's purpose in ministry. He wanted to do God's will. He wanted to finish the work that God had given him to do. He was a man that of long suffering. He was a man who bore up, and I would just say bore up well under the attacks of other people. He was a man that he was a man of love, and he was a man who so willingly gave of himself to serve others. In 2 Timothy 3 and 10, Paul uses the word patience, which is another word for endurance or the ability to stick with it when the going gets tough. Amen. Some time ago, I, I didn't even think about this until now, but some time ago we read in the news about uh, some sort of ship that hit some rocks under ground under the the water level and that ship began to take on water and one of the most amazing things about the story is that the captain of the ship was one of the first that left the ship it's violation 101 you're the captain <laughs> Whatever happened to the captain going down with the ship? I don't think he was just testing the temperature of the water. I don't think he was checking something for poison. I think what was in his heart came out. I'm going to save myself. Verses 11 and 12, Paul, Paul talks about people that are leaders willing to suffer. Some people today have the idea that that godliness means escaping uh, persecution when really the opposite is true. Because the man at the center of our message today, the Apostle Paul, had a prison record. Oh, yes, he did. Paul had physical afflictions. Paul had problems. But God used him. And we're blessed today. You know why? We're preaching all about this great Apostle Paul because he was faithful. He just stayed. He just stayed. He said to Timothy in, in chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, he said, you just need to continue in God's word. The only way to defeat Satan's lies is with God's truth. And, and if you have the truth, that's all you need. 
Because the truth is going to stand. Ultimately, the truth is going to stand. Evil men and deceivers, he said, they're going to wax worse and worse. They're going to get worse and worse. They're going to deceive more and more, in other words. Because they are being deceived by Satan. Because it's perilous times. And in these last days, there will be more deception and more imitation. And the only way that a believer is going to be able to tell the truth from, the, from a lie is by knowing the Word of God. Knowing the Word of God. Timothy had been taught the Word of God from the time that he was a child. Timothy's grandmother and, and his mother, Paul said, he mentioned them by name. He said, I see the characteristics of them in you. I don't think he's talking about the color of his eyes, the shape of his nose. I don't think he was talking about the complexion of his skin. But he said, I see these characteristics in you of your mother and your grandmother. They had taught him the Old Testament scriptures, which is all they had. And Timothy had, had been now admonished from the Apostle Paul to continue in what you have been taught and I would just say that we should never outgrow the Word of God. It ought to get more and more precious to us. Because you see, the Bible is different from any other book that you're ever going to own. Because the Bible was set apart by God. His Word, not a novel. These are not suggestions. These are not pretty sayings. The Scripture will lead us to salvation, he said in verse 15. But I think it's imperative to understand something and I don't want to be offensive here, but we're not saved by believing in the Bible. We are saved by trusting the God who was revealed in Scripture, in the Bible. I just can't memorize a bunch of Scriptures and think that's going to be all. i got to have a relationship with the God of the Scriptures. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I've preached a message here and a few other places, but and I'm not going to re-preach it in its totality here, but I just want to mention this, that I, I preached a, preach a message entitled the, um, the God of the Altar. You've got to have a relationship with the God of the Altar and not just a relationship with the Altar of the God. Because some people have a relationship with church but they don't have a relationship with God. And, and, and I know this is a touchy subject and I'll, I'll handle it carefully. I did then and I will now, but when, when you find um, a lady by the name of Zipporah in Scripture, and, and, and according to the law, on the eighth day, a male child had to be circumcised. And she was unwilling to do that. And then when God finally pressed the situation, she herself in a fit of rage, I'm in your Bible now, in a fit of rage circumcised her son herself with the sharp stones, what the Scripture says. But she took that flesh that she cut from that child and through that bloody flesh at the feet of her husband and said, Thou art a bloody husband. I'm, I'm in the book, ain't I? I just need one or two witnesses. Elder, <laughs> I'm in the book. She, I'll do it. But I'll tell you how I feel about it. You're a bloody husband. Because she had a relationship with her husband but she didn't have a relationship with the God of her husband. Amen. So if we come down to this altar and just flop across this altar, so well, I'm going to do it. Because I don't want to go to hell. Then you have a relationship with the altar and not a relationship with the God of the altar. Amen. I didn't lose you, did I? Amen. We've got to have a relationship 
Because it's not just believing the Bible. It's not just reading the Bible. It's not just committing scriptures to our heart and mind. you got to meet the man. Amen. you got to meet him. You've got to get a relationship with him. Praise God. What if one day, I know we don't think it would ever happen in our lifetime, but what if one day this book is taken away from us? If I only have a relationship with the book, I'm going to be lost. But if i got a relationship with the God of the book, everything's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Praise God. And so Paul was raised on these holy scriptures and he was raised in a godly home and he was raised by a godly grandmother and raised by a godly mother. But it was not until Paul preached to him Jesus Christ that he really understood and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost himself. And so if we trust him, he will save us. The Bible also gives us an assurance of our salvation and and, and the Bible then becomes our spiritual food that nourishes us. And it's the sword that we use to fight Satan. And it's the sword that we use to fight and overcome temptations. And the scripture, and the scripture, this holy writ I've been talking about today, it's true and it's dependable. You can trust what this says. All scripture Amen, is given by God. All scripture, I taught on this not long ago, but all scripture is God-breathed. Remember that? Amen, he is a God of truth in Deuteronomy 32. Jesus is the spirit of truth in John 14 and 6. Amen, and the spirit is truth in 1 John 5 and 6. So the word of God. Amen, in the beginning was the word. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1 and 1, but just keep reading. In John 1 and 14, the Word, the same thing, became flesh. That's Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. He robed himself in flesh. He walked among men. He felt the pain and the peril of humanity in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said to the disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm, I'm going to send back my comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And when it comes, it's going to lead you and guide you. It's going to teach you. Hear me today. Amen. That when he died and said it is finished on the cross, the scripture says, behold, the veil in the temple was rent in two. It was torn in two. And you may have heard this before, but if you haven't, hear me today. The veil kept common man out of the presence of God. It was just a high priest that could go into the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus said it is finished, it was really just beginning because it opened a doorway for mankind to have the Spirit of God. Amen. The Word that became flesh. The Word that became flesh. The Word of Genesis 1 that became flesh in John. Hallelujah. It came in our heart in the sense of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's a gift this morning. You can have it. Young or old, it doesn't matter. You can have it. Amen. And when we have the Holy Ghost, we can walk into and enter into the spirit and the presence of an almighty God. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, I don't feel the liberty to share something that was shared with me this morning. Brother Rayleigh talked about the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. There are some things in our flesh that we would love to possess. Oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I'm talking about spiritually. But can I tell you that when you get the Holy Ghost, amen, thank you for sharing that with me this morning, Brother Rayleigh. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've got everything you need from A to Z, from the index to the maps. Hallelujah. You've got God, in all, you've got what you need. It'll keep you when all of life lets you down. Praise God. Amen. God breathed. I'm, 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 I'm hurrying to a close here. God breathed. The Holy Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God moved on uh, men. And they wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit to give us the Word of God. Now, I, I think it's important to note that, just like for you and I, that the Spirit didn't erase the natural characteristics of the writer. I talk just like this at home. Amen. Probably not this loud, but <laughs> I talk like this at home. God doesn't erase natural characteristics when I walk through the side door. 
and, and just give me some King James language. I've come to thee <laughs> to preach unto thee. Um, and so the spirit of the, of the Lord didn't erase the natural characteristics of the writer. In fact, God in His providence prepared the writers for the task of, of, of giving us a scripture. And so each writer has their own distinctive style and, and frankly their own vocabulary. So you read the Gospels. For instance, it was a great example, maybe. And, and basically, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, basically tell fundamentally the same stories, share the same thing from different perspectives. So God didn't melt them down to be one voice, and then Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as we read it, it's just word for word, sentence for sentence. But they each have an expression. But when you close the book, they have all said identically the same thing. And so every book of the Bible grew out of special set of circumstances. And so we can't think of inspiration the way the world thinks of inspiration because revelation means the communicating of truth by, 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 to, to man by God. Revelation means that communication of truth to man by God. And inspiration has to do the recording or the communication of that truth in a way that is dependable. And so the Bible says that all Scripture is profitable. It is profitable hear me, for doctrine, that's what's right. It is profitable for reproof, that's what's not right. It is profitable for correction, that's how to get it right. It is profitable for instruction in righteousness, and that's how to, to stay right. That's what the gospel does. <laughs> it'll help us know what's right, it'll help us know what's wrong, it'll help us get wrong right, and it'll help us stay right. That's what the scripture will do. And so a Christian who studies the Bible and then applies what they learn will grow in holiness and, and grow in their relationship with God and as a consequence will avoid many pitfalls that are in this world. Amen. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I've had preachers tell me that. I've had Sunday school teachers tell me that. My mother, my father told me that. And influencers, aunts and uncles told me that. But I know He loves me because His Word. He doesn't just call me a son. He does. He doesn't just call you a daughter. He does. But He also calls you a friend. Friend. Amen. There's hardly anything that can make you feel any warmer than someone sincerely calling you friend. Amen. I've been introduced many times in many ways, but none more important or none more moving than to say, let me introduce you to my friend. Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians if you will come the scriptures uh, equip us for service, Paul said in verse 17. Earlier in, uh, in 1 Timothy 6.11, Paul called Timothy a man of God. Now, Timothy was a young man, but yet Paul called him a man of God. So how did he get this title? I believe he got the title by studying the Word of God and obeying the Word of God. And I believe that Timothy got this wonderful title because he allowed the Word of God to control his life. It would lead him and guide him. And, amen. Yeah, you have to do something with it when you hear preaching. You're going to have to do something with it. Amen. Somebody gives you a, a gift, you bring it home. You've got to do something with it. You've got to find a place for it. You're going to have to do something with... Can I just be bold this morning? You're going to have to do something with this message today. You're going to have to do something with this. You didn't buy tickets to come in here for us to entertain you for an hour or so. 
and then walk away like it never happened and X this off of our calendar and check this box off. You're going to have to do something with this. You're going to pull this message into your heart and say, you know, I've got to consider what the book said. Or you're going to have to throw this to the side. But here's the danger in putting it to the side. In the parable of the sower, it's not just a cute story. The parable of the sower, if you set it to the side, the enemy will come along and steal it. Lest it take root. You got to do something with it. So you don't have to just throw this in the trash and you don't have to cut a donut in the churchyard, please don't. And leave out of here and say the preacher's crazy. You don't have to do that. You can just set it to the side and the devil will make sure somebody comes along and gets that because it'll take root, not because I said it, but it's a live seed. It's a living seed. It's a living seed. And so by studying the Word of God and obeying it and letting it control our lives, we become men and women of God. Now I think it's worth noting, and I'm not trying to belabor the issue, but I think it's worth noting that, that all the men of God, not the least of which women of God, but men of God named in Scripture including... People like Moses and Samuel and Elijah and Elisha and David and Timothy and of course others, Deborah and uh, there is many, uh, Ruth, there's many others that we could talk about, Naomi, others that were powerfully used of God. Amen. They were devoted to the Word of God. Devoted. And so two words in this verse that are especially important are the words that Paul used, perfect and furnished. The word translated perfect means complete or it means in fit shape or fit condition. Now that's not to suggest sinless perfection. I think we've got to understand that. But rather it it implies fitted for use. We can use this. And so when you see somebody being used of God, that doesn't mean that you're looking at sinless perfection. (laughs) You're certainly not looking at sinless perfection this morning. But you're just looking at someone that's given everything they can to the Word of God and the will of God and they've been fitted for you. So when these musicians and singers come back up here today, this this is not a museum of perfection. Okay? You're welcome. You're all welcome. Amen. Not sinless perfection. But these are people that have just given themselves to God. When you pass by a Sunday school room and you see a teacher in there giving their all, that's not a display of sinless perfection. That's somebody that's just following God and they've been fitted for use. Fitted for use. Amen. I'll ask you to stand if you will. Amen. The better we know the Word, the better we're going to be able to live it and work for God. Amen. So let me, let me close with this. The purpose of Bible study is not just to understand doctrine, nor is it to defend the faith as important as those things are. But the ultimate purpose of the Word of God is to equip the believers who read it. Ephesians 4 and 5, it was... It was quoted this morning, referred to this morning. Ephesians 4 and 5 to talk about the four, the fivefold ministry. Ephesians 4, talking about that fivefold ministry. And it says, for what? For the perfecting of the saints. That's what it's all about. It's to help us to get closer. Amen. You know why? Because times are not going to get better. I didn't come here to paint your world gray, but I didn't come here to lie to you either. Times are not going to get better because hell is infusing more and more confusion into this world. And so we got to separate ourselves from that which is false, dedicate ourselves to that which is true, and we got to continue to study the Word of God, and that can equip us for ministry in these difficult days. 
And then we'll have the joy of seeing others come to the knowledge of the truth. But if they're going to do that, we've got to do what I've been preaching this morning, and that's hold fast. Just stand. Just stand. Amen. Can we magnify the Lord across this house today in Jesus' name? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.